Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is September the 25th, 2020. Uh, it's also the uh, middle of the celebration of the Jewish New Year for those folks who are Jewish. But even if you aren't Jewish, I hope that uh, no matter how you measure the year, I hope that the coming year brings you <clears throat> and those people who are close to you health, happiness, and peace. Uh, We're living in a very troubled time, uh, but I am confident that we will weather the storm, but it's going to take resolve and courage on the part of all reasonable Americans. Um, You know, I've been watching everything that's been happening in the news, and so much of it um, almost seems like a science fiction movie, some some really bad novel uh, that doesn't make any sense. So we're going to try to sort it out. I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine, uh, and I'm going to talk about it shortly, and I want everybody after the program, please go to frontpagemag.com. Check out my article, NYPD Officer Arrested for Spying for China, and the subtitle, Naturalization Provided Him with the Keys to the Kingdom. Once again, immigration is the critical issue. Immigration is a critical issue because, as I like to make the point, it's not a single issue, but it most certainly is a singular issue that has a profound impact on many of the challenges and threats that America and America faces today. National security, public safety, public health, the threat of terrorism, uh, wages, the middle class, the environment, health care, public health. What doesn't get touched? by our nation's ability or inability to control who comes across our border. When there is a burglary, the first thing that the police do and the insurance adjusters do is to try to figure out if it was an inside job. How did the guy that pulled off the crime gain access to the facility to carry out the crime? That was what the 9-11 Commission did. And I, um, you know, I, I was going to speak about it last week. Forgive me for not being here. But last week, uh, we celebrated Rosh Hashanah, which is the beginning of the new year, and I felt that uh, it was important to have dinner with with, uh, some of the members of my family. Uh, But I'm going to try to make up for it today. But last week, I talked about a prior article that I wrote uh, about 9-11 and the terror attacks and so forth, and the fact that this is the first time, the first presidential election, where people will be old enough to vote who were born after the attacks of 9-11. And I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. I've arrested and investigated international terrorists. And immigration was at the foundation of the ability on multiple occasions for terrorists to enter the United States, embed themselves, that is to say hide in plain sight and go about their deadly preparations. Read the 9-11 Commission report. I'd love to know Why? Nobody talks about it. The all-clear hasn't been sounded. We go through hell trying to get through airports, those of us who are still flying uh, with all this COVID uh, virus situation uh, unfolding. Uh, 
And by the way, even there, we're talking about immigration, that President Trump demonstrated the leadership that the Democrats refused to acknowledge to end the entry of most aliens from China at the end of January. The Democrats, Pelosi and here in New York, Cuomo and, and um, Mayor de Blasio, D-U-H, de Blasio, running to Chinatown in New York, Pelosi in California. Go to Chinatown. Celebrate Chinese New Year's. If you're not out there shoulder to shoulder on top of everybody, breathing everyone's air, you're a bigot, a, vac- a, a, a racist, and a xenophobe. Amazing. Trump immediately said, we've got a problem. And when he said, well, you know, I downplayed it. I didn't want to start a panic. Oh, the president misled the country. No. If you're flying on an airplane, I just want you to think about it. And there's a mechanical difficulty. Do you want the pilot to get on the intercom and say, ladies and gentlemen, oh, my God, we might crash this airplane. Oh, my God, start praying quickly. Or do you want the pilot to come on in a calm voice and say, we're having a mechanical difficulty. We have redundant systems. Everything is under control, but we're going to have to go back to the airport and land because of safety considerations. Who do you want in the cockpit? By the way, if you wonder why the British soldiers used to wear the red coats, you know, the red coats are coming. A little bit of uh, historical trivia for you. Not hysterical trivia, I might add. They wore red coats so that when their comrades were stabbed or shot and they bled, it wouldn't be obvious to the troops around them that they were wounded to try to prevent panic. That's why they wore red coats. So you have a president who takes all the proper measures, implements uh, or, or makes use of the War Powers Act that the president has, gets Ford Motor Company and other companies to gear up immediately production of ventilators and other necessary equipment, launches Operation Warp Speed to develop a, a vaccine for the virus, sends Navy hospital ships to New York and California, builds field hospitals all around the country, turning the Javits Center here in New York City into the biggest hospital in the United States. And we keep listening to the lies and I'm tired of them. And full disclosure, I'm a registered Democrat. This isn't left or right. This is just right or wrong. And this is just wrong. The president comes up with an historic peace um, agreement in the Middle East and Pelosi calls it a distraction. This is beyond belief. And, you know, if Pelosi wasn't the pathological liar that she is, she would understand that when you keep lying, it's like the little boy who cried wolf. At some point, wouldn't it be to her advantage to say, yes, I'm pleased the president did it. You don't have to send them a bouquet. You don't have to hold a parade. But all she had to simply say is, yes, that's a great achievement. I'm happy. And walk away. Show some dignity. Miss Bad Hair Day, some dignity. Show some respect. Speaking of respect, uh, Justice Ginsburg passed away. She epitomized the American dream. She, like myself, first-generation American. Her family came from Eastern Europe, as did my family. She was Jewish. I am a Jew. She was the first Jew and the first woman. She scored a twofer, if you want to call it that. By, being, uh, by having her casket placed under the Capitol Rotunda. Now, I didn't always agree with Ginsburg. 
And I'm sure that Chief that, that Justice Antonin Scalia didn't agree with her either. If you read the reports of what a close, warm relationship they and their families had with each other. They went to the opera together, they traveled around the world together, and they disagreed about as American as an American could possibly be. I disagree with what you say, but I will defend to the death your right to say it. We don't have to agree with each other. I have some very close friends who are very conservative. I'm not. I'm a registered Democrat. I'm an old-time liberal, a JFK, Harry Truman sort of liberal. But obviously I'm going to disagree with my friends. And they're going to disagree with me. And we still love each other. My friends are like extended family to me. That's how important they are. And look at what happened. When Antonin Scalia passed away, the left came out celebrating. It galled me beyond words. And when President Trump went to pay his respects, he got booed. Just stop and think about that. I couldn't stand Barack Hussein Obama, okay? Never voted for him, never would vote for him, didn't understand how anybody voted for him. But that's my opinion. I'm entitled. But if I had seen him when he was the president, I wouldn't have booed him. I wouldn't have screamed obscenities at him. He's the president. The office gets respect. My dad told me you get stopped by a police officer, show the badge respect. The badge, show the office respect. What's amazing to me, we're hearing all about white privilege. Justice Bader Ginsburg demonstrated was American privilege. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, she once made the point that the way you get from being a bookkeeper, that was what her mother did for a living, and being a a Supreme Court justice, what does it take? One generation. If that does not epitomize the American dream, I don't know what does. That anybody can attain greatness if they're willing to work hard and benefit from a bit of luck. My mother, may she rest in peace, came here as a 13-year-old girl by herself, managed to get out of Poland. Her mother couldn't escape the clutches of that evil empire back then. Uh, She was killed in Poland. I was named for my mother's mother, my grandmother. My mother came at the age of 13, lived by herself in a rooming house, She was here legally, I might add, came through Ellis Island, and supported herself, never took a penny from anybody, by working in a sweatshop making umbrellas for $3 a week. She became the chief buyer of a dress company by the time she was in her 20s. And this dress company, during the Depression, was so successful that her boss was one of President Roosevelt's dollar-a-year men advising the president on how to jumpstart the American economy. And her very successful boss, millionaire in those days during the depression frequently pointed specifically at my mother with a fourth grade education as the reason for his success my mom said to me you are what you achieve not what you demand not what you scream about not what you threaten and extort you are what you achieve all the demands i want this and i want that should we take the rioters and give them white coats and scalpels and tell them they can now be surgeons because somehow they never bothered finishing high school or went to college but didn't get their degree, although some of these uh, idiots, if you see their backgrounds, come from families of true privilege, very wealthy, well-educated parents who probably were crappy parents. They were busy with their professional careers and traveling the world and ignoring their own children. 
what I am proudest of in terms of lifetime achievements isn't my job as an agent, although I'm proud to have been a federal agent for 30 years. My greatest source of pride are my four children and now my two grandchildren. Ginsburg said the same things about her own family, by the way. And like Ginsburg, um, her mother died the day before she graduated high school. Both of my parents died before I graduated from college. They had never gone to high school, let alone college. I was their only child, and they never made it to my graduation. It was a tough day. I got my my degree, and to be honest, I, I went to a quiet place on the campus and had a good cry. It was a tough day. So when I look at Justice Ginsburg, I see a sterling example of what a person can achieve. So when people tell you, I'm just one person, what can I do? What you can do, folks, is limitless. You will write your own personal history. How much effort are you willing to put in? That's the question. That's the question. So I just had to share that with you. And then when you look at what sparked the latest riot, the tragedy of the death of Breonna Taylor, let me be clear, this was a tragedy. But I can tell you as an agent who's seen years working narcotics investigations, narcotics raids are dangerous. We go in heavily armed. And by the way, one of the things we hear from the the lamestream media and even some conservative journalists who are clueless and they shouldn't be offering opinions if they don't know what the hell they're talking about, I don't talk about military issues. I was never in the military. I don't talk about medical issues. I was never a doctor. But darn it, I was a law enforcement officer for 30 years. And from everything I could read, what happened here was the police had a warrant. Now, the controversy whether or not they knocked beforehand, I personally don't like no-knock warrants, but that, that is such a thing. And if they did have one, they were operating within the law. And that's what this is a determination of. Maybe we need to modify the law. Maybe we need to modify procedures. Not by rioting and burning down buildings and destroying libraries where children might learn and elevate themselves out of poverty because it was a library that they tried to set fire to. Of all the things, my God, the hell with the future of these children. These people that are yelling Black Lives Matter and they're burning down libraries and burning down communities, if that's the black community's friend, I don't want to know who their enemies are. Just think about that. Education is the key to success, not demands, rioting, looting, and extortion. Although, although the chameleon Harris has said the demonstrations are never going to stop. I call that extortion. I call that a threat. That is not leadership, folks. It should infuriate every American, and I don't give a darn what side of the political aisle you stand on. Threaten Americans with violence, just like this hoax of an investigation into Donald Trump, and I'm going to talk about that momentarily, about what's coming out now, about how some of the FBI agents took out professional insurance for fear that the investigation was going to turn on them for illegal practices. Just think about this. Trump was right all along. But in the case of Breonna Taylor, she, according to the reports, had a boyfriend who was involved with the narcotics trade, had packages delivered to the apartment that the cops hit. So the cops got a warrant to the apartment. That makes sense. I did that all the time. And you go in heavily armored. So when you have these journalists saying, oh, we've militarized the police. No, not to go on patrol. That's not what that's for. But when you go into drug locations or terrorist situations, uh, I can tell you we've taken hand grenades and machine guns out of houses. You don't go in with a revolver when you're coming up against machine guns, okay? That's called suicide. 
So for the appropriate settings, you need to have the heavy hardware. They went in to execute the warrant. They breached the door, and as they stepped into the apartment, her current boyfriend, I guess he was, fired one, one or more rounds at the police, striking one cop in the leg and the thigh. By the way, that could be a lethal injury. Thank God it wasn't. But if you hit the femoral artery, there's a good chance you're going to bleed out. So one cop is hitting the leg, firefight ensues. What do you think is going to happen if you shoot at police? Nothing good is going to come of this. This had nothing to do with anybody's skin color. Nobody was yelling racial obscenities as they came through the door. Where is the connection between this and Black Lives Matter? Yes, Breonna Taylor was black. She was an EMT. But apparently she was involved with a guy who was not exactly a pillar of the community, the guy who was getting packages purportedly with narcotics in it delivered to that house. The grand jury looked at the facts and said, okay, those cops did nothing wrong. A third cop fired, I guess, tried to fire into the apartment in the heat of battle. Uh, his bullets penetrated a wall or a window, hit another apartment. So he was charged with, with being reckless in his discharge of the firearm and so forth. Um, I, I, we'll see how he defends himself. It really sounds like a fog of battle kind of situation. But I'm not going, I am not going to... Uh, speculate on that. I don't have the facts, and I'm not about speculating. But what I am about is making certain that we don't destroy the system of justice that is designed to provide equality to all of us. Justice is supposed to be deliberative. And threatening violence because you're upset about violence is insanity. It's insanity. And this had nothing to do from everything that I could read with Miss Taylor's skin color. And by the way, I can assure you that more people who are white are killed by police every year than black. Now, there's far fewer blacks than whites, so more proportionately, more blacks than whites are killed. But when was the last time you saw a report about a white person being shot by the police? I can't remember the last time. Doesn't that count? If we're going to look at police shootings and police use of deadly force we ought to be looking at a lot more than skin color unless it's obvious that skin color was a factor. We ought to be looking perhaps at whether the person that was shot was high on drugs or was drunk, had prior criminal history, was a fugitive from justice, um, had no job, was on unemployment, um, didn't finish school. Uh, you know, I believe that a while back they did a study and found that 70% of the people who were in jail for street-level crime, people that rob grocery stores, that kind of thing, 70% are functionally illiterate. So is that an educational problem that we ought to be addressing? If we're trying to fix a systemic problem, you look at all of the elements and try to address each and every element. When an airplane crashes, the investigators look at all of the factors that contributed to the crash. They don't just say, oh, there's a smoking hole in the ground. I guess we have to have better fire hoses. No, let's not put out the fire. Let's not have the fire or the crash in the first place. So maybe we should be looking at education or broken homes or drug use or gang involvement. There are many factors that nobody is talking about anywhere, anywhere. If we're going to solve society's problems, we need to take a holistic approach. This is certainly, literally and figuratively, not a black 
white issue. Now, moving right along, I want to get to this piece that I wrote for Front Page Magazine, and it's a very important article. The reason that it's important is that it very much goes back to what I keep saying, that immigration, the way that we deal with adjudicating applications for visas and green cards and political asylum and citizenship, all impact national security. When you give an alien United States citizenship, you're literally giving them the keys to the kingdom, which is why uh, the title of my article is the title of my article, Naturalization Provided Him, the Alleged Spy, with the Keys to the Kingdom. Because once he became an American citizen, he could become a police officer. He joined the military. Now, just think about this. He entered the United States, according to the New York Times, on a visitor exchange program. So he had to be vetted to get the visa. It later turns out that his family allegedly was involved with the Chinese military. Okay? He was from Tibet. He's admitted on on an exchange program visa and then applies for political asylum and says, I can't go back. If I go back, terrible things will happen to me. I need asylum in America. So you have to be investigated. They investigated him. They approved his application. Guess what? He went back to China. We saw this with the two Tsarnaev brothers who carried out the Boston Marathon attack back on April 15, 2013. Remember the Tsarnaev? They came from Russia. They got political asylum. One of the two brothers got citizenship. The other tried, and his application was pending when they carried out the deadly attack. One of them just had, one was killed during the attack, and and one uh, was sentenced to death. The death sentence has since been taken off the table because of a court appeal. I'm not sure if they're going to retry that part of the case or not. But the point is he is convicted of committing multiple homicides, being part of the terrorists. Planting, if you remember, that pressure cooked a bomb right behind the child who was obliterated. How do you do that? What kind of an animal is that? What kind of an animal is that? No, I shouldn't say that. Animals are better than that. What kind of a monster is that? Intentionally planting a bomb next to a child. Can you imagine? And we admitted him. We admitted his whole damn family. We gave them political asylum. We offered to protect them from what they said was the evil Russian government. And then they went back to Russia voluntarily. If the Russian government posed a threat to their safety and there's no regime change, why the hell did they go back to Russia? It's obvious they were damn stinking liars. And we see it again and again and again and again. And if you read my articles, if you read the 9-11 Commission report, it's crystal clear. Immigration fraud, people lying on applications for immigration benefits, that was the primary method of entry and embedding to terrorists, not just on 9-11. And the interesting fact that you may not know, if you've been listening to my programs regularly, reading my articles regularly, you may know this, you may remember this, but on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before the attack of 9-11, attacks with an S, I was called to participate in my first congressional hearing before the House Immigration Subcommittee. And what was the topic of the hearing? immigration benefit fraud and visa fraud. And why did they hold the hearing? Because in 1993, an individual by the name of Kansi, a Pakistani who had applied for political asylum, went to the CIA headquarters in a van. He had bought into a partnership and a courier service, so the van had access to the parking lot. And in January 93, he went to work 
pulled into the parking lot as CIA employees were arriving for duty early in the morning. He jumped out, and instead of carrying envelopes or packages, he was carrying an AK-47 that opened fire. He killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled the country. That is something that scumbags from all over the world can do. They can come to America, commit crimes, a terror attack, a rape, a robbery, sell drugs, whatever, and flee. They have an escape hatch. And many times their countries don't have extradition treaties with the United States. So they run home and they laugh for the rest of their life that they're free and they put Americans in the ground here in our country. Oops, who cares? That's why we've got to be careful what we're doing. Lives are hanging in the balance. This isn't xenophobia. Suicide is not an act of compassion, ladies and gentlemen. So Cansey ran home, except given the nature of the crime, our people followed him, working with Pakistani intelligence officials. We grabbed that piece of garbage, brought him back here, put him on trial, found him guilty. He was executed, but that didn't bring the dead back to life, and it didn't cure the wounds of the people that he hurt. One month later, First bombing at the World Trade Center. Six people dead. Over a thousand people injured. Over a half billion, billion with a B, half billion, $500 million in damages inflicted on what had been the centerpiece of the lower Manhattan skyline, the World Trade Center. The Vista Hotel, which is part of the complex, almost sank into its foundation. Think about the force of the blast. One of the gals I worked with, she was also an immigration agent, told me she was walking by the garage door of the World Trade Center when the bomb went off. The concussion from the blast blew her clean across the street over the cars and trucks. Luckily, she wasn't hit by any vehicles. That was the force of this blast. They, the terrorists had rented a truck, parked it in the garage of the World Trade Center, loaded it up with, with explosives. And according to what Diane Feinstein actually said at a hearing about foreign terrorists operating in the United States, and this hearing was held on February the 24th, 1998, the chemicals used in the bomb blast came from an individual, I believe from Pakistan, he was from the Middle East, working in the United States as a chemical engineer. That's how they got their hands on the explosives. How wonderful, doing the work an American won't do, trying to take down the towers. Their stated goal was to topple the towers and kill at least 250,000 people. And according to friends who worked on the explosion, they came very close. Had they parked the truck on the opposite wall, they might have succeeded. Had they filled the top of the, the explosive to the top of the truck, truck, they didn't, they might have succeeded. But as it is, look at the damage they did. Killed six people, injured over a thousand, created a half billion in damages. So we have that blast. The truck, you should know, was rented by an illegal alien. The driver of the truck was also an illegal alien. They both entered the United States with visas, I believe student visas, but the visas had expired, so they were here illegally. Then in New York State, we give driver's licenses to aliens who are illegally present, and then they won't even share the information with immigration. That means the Border Patrol, that means the inspectors at ports of entry trying to screen vehicles entering our country and the people coming into our country, and they won't share the information with ICE. Get a subpoena, and when we get around to it in a couple of weeks, eh, if we feel like it, maybe we'll let you know who these people are. The thing that you do when you do a car stop is run the license plate. Why? I want to know if the guy's a wanted felon. I want to know if the car was just used in a bank robbery. 
I used to run license plate checks routinely. On some days, a dozen. Guess what? Can't do it anymore if you're an ICE agent. The obvious goal is to get ICE agents killed. If you think I'm kidding you, look at how Cuomo killed all those people in the nursing home. He's a dirtbag. And he writes a book that criticizes the president, even though just weeks before he criticized the president, oh, the president is giving us everything we could ever hope for. He must think we're a bunch of imbeciles who didn't remember. And we have the videotape. Let's go to the videotape. And there he is making the statements. So we see where immigration fits into terrorism. We see where immigration fraud fits into terrorism. And everyone says, well, if we legalize the people who are here, then we'll know who's here. Okay, so let's lay waste to that nonsense right now for once and for all. And this is the perfect case to make the point. Okay. This alleged spy was granted a visa to come in. There's a vetting process. He applied for received political asylum. They're supposed to do an investigation that goes well beyond the vetting process. He gamed that system. He joins the military, gets a secret clearance. Again, there's a vetting process. Becomes a United States citizen. Again, not only a vetting process, but they're supposed to conduct what's known as good moral character investigations. Did they? I don't know. I think they did a piss-poor job. It's not enough according to the law. I didn't make this up. It's in the law that Congress passed back in 1951, enacted in 1952. The process is that agents are supposed to knock on doors and ask the neighbors, do you know this guy? Here's a photograph of Charlie Smith. He's from England. He wants to be an American citizen. What do you know about him? And even if the guy has never been arrested or was arrested and never convicted, if the neighbors say, oh, yeah, Nice guy, but he gets paid on Fridays, and when he gets paid, he goes to the bar, he hangs out with hookers, comes in all hours of the night, hangs out with some other terrible people, and occasionally his wife will take him to task, and we've seen her throw her down the stairs, but she won't call the cops. One day the kid complained to him about something. He was in a drunken rage. He threw the the kid's cat out the window and killed the cat. Let me tell you what, that guy's not getting citizenship because he lacks good moral character. No more. The Clinton administration came in. They gave us the motor voter law. And we know what a smashing success that is. They said, you know, we're trying to naturalize so many people because Doris Meisner, the commissioner of the old INS back then, thought her job was to naturalize the world. So they hired people off the street to adjudicate applications for citizenship. And they pushed a program called Citizenship USA or CUSA, where they naturalized 1.1 million plus aliens in about a year. District directors were threatened with being fired if they didn't approve a quota. Not simply adjudicate, but approve. Now, what did that mean? You better not find fault with any of the applications. Now, what did I just tell you about immigration fraud? Okay. In fact, a couple of the characters that carried out the 93 bombing at the World Trade Center benefited from the idiotic amnesty of Ronald Reagan that he prepared in cahoots with Schumer and, and uh, um, Ted Kennedy. Both parties have done this to us. Trump is the first president, maybe since Kennedy or Eisenhower, to say we need a sovereign country. And look at the hell he's getting over it. Because of all the globalists getting money from China, the Ukraine, and God knows where else. Follow the money. There was just a report about trillions of dollars washing through banks. And this is money that's the result of narcotics trafficking, human trafficking, prostitution of children, crimes you don't even want to think about. It's all about the money. 
tell you, my view, if Biden wins, China will have the best government money combined. That's how I see the situation. Think of that statement. Hunter Biden supposedly doing, God knows, millions, billions of dollars of deals with, with Chinese banks and so forth. Based on what? And Biden saying, oh, we have to, you know, we have to, you know, stop the hostility towards China. Tell China to stop that hostility towards America, folks. Think about that one. So in this case, how many times does this guy get screened and pass screening? What does it tell you about the screening process? It's worthless. You know, I like to make the point that the only thing worse than faulty, that no security is faulty security, false security. If there's no security, you know that you're on your own. But when you think everything is under control and it's not, that's even worse. Right? You ask the guy, you're going skydiving, and you say to the parachute rigger, how's the parachute? Oh, it's great. No problems. We checked it out. You jump out of the airplane. You find out you really didn't check it out. And you become a a blotch of blood and and guts on, on the ground below because you are operating under false security. So now we're operating under false security where immigration is concerned. This guy got a visa, got political asylum, got a military security clearance. By the way, the NYPD had to investigate him also. I know I had applied for a position with the New York City Police Department. I scored almost a perfect score. I was going to take the job, and Uncle Sam hired me. That was the end of that. But I underwent a background screening by the NYPD. So each step of the way, How many eyeballs looked at this guy at his application and gave him what he applied for? And it turns out, if the allegations are true, remember, he's not convicted yet, but if it's true, he used his position of trust within the Tibetan Chinese community to cultivate spies for China. Now, what does that mean? These people were probably approached by Chinese officials who probably said to them, if you don't play ball with us, is this a picture of your mother? Is this a picture of your sister? Is this your kid, uh, you know, brother? They're back home. Maybe we should visit them. Oh, you want to cooperate? How wonderful of you. That's what we're dealing with here, folks. Understand that. We had the, the crooked Iran deal with the nuclear program, with all the money being given to Iran. If you were watching Fox today, they were talking about how this Olympic wrestler, a, a big hero in Iran, was tortured and killed because he disagreed with the government. Kind of like the kind of stuff that I'm going to guess that Chameleon Harris would want to happen here. You disagree with us, we're going to riot. We're going to extort what we want from you. Why do you think they want to get rid of the police? Do you have any idea what that's about? Would you like me to tell you what I fear this is really about? Why would you want to get rid of the police? Remember, the Democrats wanted to come and take your guns away. The Democrats wanted to do all these other Some of it was rumor, some of it wasn't, but that was the feeling everyone had, right? The Democrats, they're going to come for you. And all of a sudden, the people that were going to come for you, the police, are being defunded. What happened? If you really want to get the guns off the street, why would you defund the police? Why would you vilify the police? Why would you discourage people from becoming police officers? Why would you discourage police officers from doing their jobs? Does that make any sense? 
when the Democrats not long ago were screaming about coming for the guns? Tell you what I think. This isn't a happy story. What stands between the civilians of our country and the mobs that are intimidating and burning down our cities from coast to coast, Democrat cities, I might add, is the police. Some guy comes to torture house, the police come, they arrest them. Now we have no cash bail, and they want to make that a federal policy nationally now. Cops leaving the job, cops afraid to take action, so they come to burn down your house. Your house is going to burn down. Maybe the fire department will show up. Maybe. We don't know. But the arsonists, no one's going to do anything with them. And Minnie Mike was out there, from what they've reported, bailing out convicted felons so they can vote. Because one of the conditions in Florida is that convicted felons can vote if they pay the fines and pay restitution. Well, he was willing to write the checks for them so they would vote. Let's get the criminals back on the streets. How brilliant. Let's get the criminals voting. More brilliant. Whatever happened to what's in the best interest of America or Americans? Whatever happened to Abraham Lincoln's view of our government being a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? How foolish are the people that don't see through the lies? I really wonder how many people that don't support Donald Trump have huge pet rock collections. I mean, who else would buy a pet rock except somebody who could vote for Joe Biden? I mean, think about that. Why in the world would anybody not look at the situation? Look, I'll go back to this again. I'm a Democrat. These aren't Democrats. They're seditionists. They're anarchists. People are being intimidated. People go to a restaurant and the mob shows up. The idea is to put the the businesses out of business, to scare people into submission. And where's the police? Well, they've been defunded. You see the connection? You see how the dots get connected here, folks? This is a coordinated effort. Don't underestimate the intelligence of your enemies. These are shrewd people. They're unscrupulous and immoral. They don't care about America's future. They want what they want. And what's a few dead bodies? Seriously, does anyone care? Where is the the outrage about children killed by gangs, children killed by stray bullets because the police have been defunded? Where's Black Lives Matter then? You hear anything about that? No, of course not. Do they care about the black kids being killed? No. Do they care that black-owned businesses are being put out of business, that poor people living in these terrible neighborhoods no longer have food stores where they can shop? How are they supposed to eat? God only knows, but does it matter? Again, I will tell you, if you think that these people that are out there are rioting, I'm not talking about people who demonstrate who have legitimate concerns You know, demonstration, that's as American as apple pie. I'm all about the First Amendment. But I'm talking about the violent thugs. Do you really think they're concerned about the plight of minorities? Lack of education, lack of good food, lack of decent housing. Do they care? No. They're just using this as an excuse to perpetrate violence and to intimidate people so that the Democrats can get iron-fisted control over the government. Now let's look at Donald Trump. Look at what happened with, um, with, with the general. If you look at the reports that have come out, and, and Molly Hemingway over at the Federalist did a great job reporting on this, 
there were people in the FBI who said, my God, why are we interviewing him? There's nothing here. One guy reportedly even texted somebody and, and, and asked, are they trying to make sure that Clinton wins? And then all of a sudden, a bunch of these FBI agents went and got professional insurance because suddenly they envisioned themselves being the targets of criminal investigations for what they did. So in other words, the FBI became weaponized. I had a desk at the FBI for 10 years. Many of them are great agents. But they are in a bind. They have their boss telling them, this is what you're going to do, and what are you supposed to do then? I, I wound up suing my agency. I was at war with the INS for many years. It started when we had a boss with a brain tumor, and he was ordering people irrationally to run personal errands and government cars, and what you may not know about civil servants, government agents, you cannot use a government car for a personal errand ever, unless it's sanctioned. I remember one time we, we, we were holding on to a Russian airliner. They told all the agents, Use the government car, so if we need you, you can immediately split off and head to the airport or head to some other location. I think it happened twice in my 30-year career. You sign an understanding that you will not use that vehicle for anything other than official government business 100% of the time. If you have a car accident in a government car, the first thing they're going to look at, of course, well, did you cause the accident? So let's say you're waiting at a red light and a drunk with no license plows into your car. You think you're off the hook? No, you're not. Because the first question that will now be asked is, can you justify being on that street corner at that time on that day? You better have an investigation nearby or show that you were at one place taking the shortest route to another place. You could wind up losing your job. You could wind up being demoted. So we had this crazy boss. We didn't know he had a brain tumor, ordering people to get parts for his refrigerator, take his dog to the vet in a government car. Think of how crazy. And when I spoke to him about it, he threatened me. And over lunch, people were telling me that this was going on with all of them in the squad. And I said, well, why doesn't someone go to internal investigations? Well, we don't want to be the one to go. So I did. And the next thing I knew, I was, you know, the target. I was the focal point. I was riding the tip of the spear. Everyone came forward and testified. You know, I wasn't out there by myself, but because I made the initial call. In fact, the line of people who wanted to complain about this wacko supervisor and the policies of the office stretched around the building. And, of course, they looked at this and said, well, look who the instigator is. It's Cutler. And then I went to Congress, and then I got some of the laws changed. So if they weren't angry with me to begin with, now they really had the lasers going full tilt. You know, their phases weren't set on stun but on obliterate. And they played all kinds of games. Uh, I arrested someone, prepared my arrest report. It was meticulous. They had someone else rewrite it and told him to destroy my report. And when I asked them what had happened, they said, your paperwork was completely deficient. What they didn't know was my colleague had saved my original paperwork and gave me a copy of his, which was a word-for-word duplicate of what I had written. Think about that. That became one of the exhibits in my case. They had no answers. They altered my timesheet without telling me. Mike, we need you to sign up on your timesheet. I know you're going to make an arrest. Before you go out there, just sign this. And I saw some extra bosses hanging out, and I'm thinking, "Uh uh-uh, this is a setup. Sure enough, they had tacked on a dozen hours in the last two-week period that I didn't work. You didn't get paid for that anyway, but it doesn't matter. You are technically falsifying a government document. You think I'm kidding, a couple of months later, some agent that wasn't all that sharp, and he'd been there for years, they pulled the same thing on him. 
just initial your timesheet and, and, and go out in the street and do what you got to do. So he initialed it. The boss called him in and said, okay, you didn't work those hours. Do you want to resign or do you want to explain this to a grand jury? He was forced into resigning, believe it or not. That's what they did to, Gover- to uh, General Flynn. It was a setup, plain and simple. And there were FBI agents looking at that situation saying, oh, my God, what are they doing? I don't want to be part of this. But they were part of it. And they say that Monday there will be more documents and maybe Wednesday more. Folks, if you want to talk about who is trying to take down our democratic form of government, it's not Trump. When Trump was asked, will you leave office if you lose the election? And he said, we'll see. Can you blame him? He's not saying if the other guy, if Biden really wins, I'm going to leave. I'm sure he would leave. He'd leave in a heartbeat. He has respect for America. I'm sure of that. I don't agree with Trump all the time. But one thing I've heard from so many people who know him well is that he loves America and loves our system of government. And I think he would be more than willing to accept the outcome of an election if the election is legitimate. How much can he trust the government? How much can we trust the government after what is alleged to have happened with the FBI? What is alleged to have happened with General Flynn? What is now happening with the riots? And Kamala Harris saying, these aren't going away. This is a permanent fixture in America from now on. Let's defund the police. Is this still a government of the people, by the people, and for the people? I have no problem with dissent. I didn't agree with Ruth Bader Ginsburg all the time. There were times I did. There were times I didn't. Okay. But she epitomized the American dream. She epitomized what I call American privilege. It's a privilege to be an American. But I fear it won't be much longer if this insanity isn't brought to a screeching halt. Venezuela used to be the wealthiest country in all of Latin America. It's now the poorest country. Colombia has a huge problem with illegal aliens. And you know where the aliens are coming from? Venezuela, the once richest country in Latin America. What happened to Venezuela? Communism happened to Venezuela. So I'm looking at this spy, and I'm looking at how easily he gamed the immigration system, and I'm listening to what Biden has to say, and the fact, incredibly, that Chris Wallace released a list of possible questions. I'm not sure why you would do that. If you're the president, you don't get a multiple-choice test. You don't know what's coming when the phone rings at 3 in the morning or 4 in the afternoon. It kind of just comes at you. Think about the image of George W. Bush sitting in that classroom in Florida getting the horrific word that a second airplane had flown into a second tower at the World Trade Center. You don't know what's coming. But how could immigration not be on the short list? If Biden gets his way and legalizes what they're claiming is 11 million illegal aliens, we're really looking at about 30 million, maybe more. And the other part of that problem is aliens will be able to come here and lie about when they came here. I'm sure they did that with the Reagan amnesty. If you run the border, there's no record of your entry that's created. You can say anything you want. And there's no magic machine, you know, we're going to take fingerprints and we'll know. No, that's, that's the movies. In real life, the only way to know is to go out there, knock on doors, interview people, and check records. How do you do that if you have 30 million applications to process? By the way, you should know, and I was an adjudications officer. I did all these jobs, so I'm not speculating. 
you can approve an application for an immigration benefit in 15 or 20 minutes. Denials can take days or longer because you have to put a case together, because you have to anticipate that the alien is going to challenge a, a, a denial. They're going to file an appeal. So the lawyers have to be able to go into court and win the appeal, and that takes evidence. You can't just say, oh, it doesn't look good. No, you need articulable facts, and you need agents to develop the facts. How many agents do you need if you're looking at 20 or 30 million applications? So fraud will run through this whole program. 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the whole Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor. Think about that one. And the death count from 9-11 continues. And now every alien who gets lawful status will have an immediate and absolute right, no questions here, to petition to bring in every single one of each and every minor child that they claim. That's going to mean DNA testing. There's going to be fraud there. You may have a guy who's married and has three girlfriends on the side and has 12 kids. So on average, not being an optimist, let's say that there's 25 million aliens who get lawful status under the Biden plan, the Harris plan. And on average, they bring in four or five children each. Because some may bring in 20 kids. Some may bring in no kids. What is four times 25 million? A hundred million. So within a year or two, we could be inundated with 100 million children. They would immediately be enrolled in our schools. I would love to know how the schools deal with that. They will need housing and food and water and sewerage and electricity and heat and transportation and medical care. Oh, and by the way, they're offering free medical care to illegal aliens, which would entice people with dangerous communicable diseases to flood America because they don't want security at the border and they want to decriminalize violations of immigration law. I've spoken about it frequently. One of my proudest achievements as an agent was to work unofficially with then-Senator Aldemato to create the aggravated felon reentry law, which makes unlawful reentry by criminal aliens a felony with a 20-year maximum jail sentence. It used to be a two-year max. They never prosecuted it, or almost never did, because it just didn't seem worth the effort. Do you know that now reentry cases are the number one most frequently prosecuted felony by the entire Department of Justice last year, over 25,000 prosecuted. Kamala Harris has already said that that law is going away. Wow. Think about that one. You deport them, they come back, no consequences. This will be playing hide-and-seek. This will be playing tag. Everyone talks about sustainability. How will we deal with the need for water and sewerage and electricity and food and housing and transportation? Do you not think this would bankrupt America? Do you not think this would devastate national security and public safety? From what I read, Chris Wallace has no intentions of asking anything about immigration. You may want to call Fox News, folks. I don't get it. This isn't a minor issue. Not in the least. It is the issue. Because of immigration failures, this spy, allegedly, alleged spy, was operating here in New York in the ethnic Chinese neighborhoods. How many more are there out there that we have not yet identified? We know that Iran is threatening to kill anybody who is involved with the murder of Soleimani, with taking out Soleimani. They call it a murder. Uh, I, I call it something else. So they're threatening. 
And if you look at the articles that I've written, again, for Front Page Magazine, Iran is operating throughout Latin America, Hezbollah and Hamas, working with the drug cartels to move huge amounts of narcotics and sleeper agents into the United States. You have to wonder if any of what we're witnessing is being funded by our good friends in China, Iran, Russia. Who knows? Who knows? So how do you not address immigration in the presidential debate? I would love to see Donald Trump say to Joe Biden, what's your plan? What kind of sustainability do you think we have to deal with the entry of tens of millions, perhaps more than 100 million children who would immediately be entitled to green cards if your program to legalize all of the illegal aliens was to come to pass? It's a fair question. I hope that Donald Trump somehow gets to make that point. But even in his commercials, he's using the number 11 million and says there may be some more. Maybe some more. Mr. President, I doubt you're listening, but if you are, make book on it. Reagan told us that about a million aliens would take part in his amnesty. We wound up with almost 4 million. And to this day, nobody talks about how many children or other family members ultimately were admitted to the United States. So Reagan's three or four million is probably closer to 12 million. Now we're talking about 25 million. Well, what does that look like? Does anyone think that's sustainable? You know, Alan Greenspan had the chutzpah in 09 testifying to Schumer to refer to high-tech American workers as the privileged elite. He said the solution to wage inequality is to make American high-tech workers compete with foreign workers. By doing that, you would get rid of their wage premium because they're the privileged elite. What a way to describe middle-class, hard-working Americans. And he said, and that way we would go a great distance to, achieve, to reducing wage inequality between Americans with high-skilled high American workers with American workers of lesser skills. That's not a wage inequality. You presume that if you bother to get a, a master's degree that you're going to earn more than the guy that dropped out of high school. But he uses the term wage inequality. Now, I happen to favor a $15 an hour minimum wage, and I know there are conservatives who don't, and we can have that conversation. But really, the Democrats don't want a $15 an hour minimum wage, folks. What they really want, I believe, is a $15 per hour standard wage. Think of Greenspan. Let's get rid of wage inequality. Let's get rid of that wage premium by making Americans compete with foreign workers. Shouldn't that be a topic for discussion during the presidential debates? And Pelosi's running around saying, I told Joe he doesn't have to debate the president. They've already started early voting before the first debate. Folks, the debate basically <clears throat> is the same thing is a job interview, isn't it? So just as Pelosi wanted Obamacare approved before you could see it, you won't know what's in it until you approve it. She wants Americans to vote for Biden without knowing what he's about, besides an empty suit. She's consistent. You've got to give the ice cream lady that, Miss Bad Hair Day, 2020. She doesn't want Biden to debate Trump because Trump just might ask him a couple of good questions during the course of the debate, might raise some good issues, or Biden might just go into vapor lock. 
God knows. But I've never in my life could have imagined the Speaker of the House of Representatives from either party suggesting that Americans be forced to vote in an election, first of all, with these idiotic ballots that are floating around the country that were never requested. That's an invitation to fraud. And without even a debate. How does that work? How does that demonstrate that we still have representative democratic republic? Who is this republic representing in this day and age? These are questions that we should all be concerned about. These are questions that we should be asking ourselves. It's really important for you to vote this year, folks. It's important to consider who your congressional representatives are also. Um, The Democrats are no longer the Democrats. I've come to that very unhappy conclusion. I'll be honest. I voted for Bill Clinton the first time around. I did. But today, the Democratic Party, as the saying goes, she ain't what she used to be. I, again, uh, hope that uh, all of you of the Jewish faith, and even if you're not Jewish, but I I do hope it's a good year for all of you. I hope it's going to be a good year for America. America could sure use a really good year. The favor that I have is please go to frontpagemag.com, Front Page Magazine. Check out my articles, not just this latest article, NYPD officer arrested for spying for China. Look at the article that I wrote a couple of weeks ago about 9-11. Also, check out Team DML, dmlnews.com. I do podcasts for him. It's a subscription service. You might find it worthwhile. I, I do at least one or two video podcasts per week for Dennis. It's about providing you with the information that you're not getting from the mainstream media. The solution to propaganda is the truth, the unvarnished truth. And I promise you, that is what I will give to you, no matter where I appear, whether it's in writing, whether it's a podcast, or whether it's right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. Truth is essential and knowledge is power. Please make certain to check out my articles, share them with as many of your friends and neighbors as possible. Have those conversations with your neighbors, especially the ones who disagree, not a fight. They are emotionally invested in this. People are embarrassed to admit that they're wrong. Take that into account. We lack empathy in America today. We need to bring it back. There was a wonderful story about an 89-year-old pizza delivery man who was in economic hard times And some of his customers on his route um, were able to come up with over $12,000 to help him out. And everyone thought, wow, what a wonderful thing to do. Folks, we are at our best when we're empathetic. Enforcing our immigration laws is not against immigrants. It's about making certain that those folks who legally immigrate to America have their fair share to succeed and that certainly all Americans still may live out the American dream. Have a great evening, everybody. And again, please remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. See you next week.